results, activity, attitude, and philosophy. When you start evaluating where you are, that's what you have to look at. If you don't like your result, if you don't like where you are, you have to look at your results. If you don't like your results, you gotta look at your activity that you're getting doing to get those results. If you don't like your the activity, you gotta look at the attitude. And if you don't like your attitude, you gotta look at your philosophy. Big G Anthony, welcome to the Fit Team Show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chris. I appreciate that. Look forward to spending some time with you, get to know you better, get to hear a little bit about your story and what's going on in your life. I hear that. Thank you. Thank you. What I like to do is, you know, start, tell, tell us about, you know, your childhood growing up, where, where you're from and that, that thing to kick us off. Well, um, those that are in Florida, if you're familiar with a little town talk called Clueston, um, I was born in Hollywood, Florida, but my father was a forest ranger. And uh, back in the 70s, he had he took us to this site um, to where this place called Devil's Garden. So I pretty much grew up on a farm uh, from when I was about a year old to about 10 years old. And uh, when I was out there, you know, I was in rodeos, you know, was able to go fish when I wanted to. Um, had a go-kart, you know, really had a, a, a real, you know, freedom, uh, just go out, have fun, and, and, you know, no type of limitations, uh, uh, type of little childhood when I was a kid. And uh, the reason why we moved from there back to the city is because I started playing sports. And Devil's Garden is about 20 miles away from Cluston. So every time I wanted to go and uh, play football, it was a 20-mile drive. It was a 20-mile drive to go to school. Um, so that was just a bit uh, time-consuming when it came to my parents. And so they decided, hey, you know what? The kids are growing up. I had a sister that was a year and a half younger than me. Uh, the kids are growing up. We can't keep them out here and so secluded. Uh, it's time to go ahead and move back towards the city. So we ended up moving to Homestead where – I went to junior high and high school and ended up graduating from there. So what, uh, what were your favorite hobbies uh, growing up and then in high school? <laughs> Man, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm a pretty much a country boy heart. You know, I, I love fishing. Um, I love uh, hunting. Um, I played football my entire life. Uh, I, uh, got a scholarship to play um, at a division one school had an opportunity to try out for an NFL team so that in and of itself with my life pretty much surrounded around um, playing football uh, working out and when I moved down to homestead living around saltwater you know being able to go fishing when I wanted to so that pretty much what my life uh, is growing up what I did my entire life so after high school, what was, what was next for you? <laughs> um, I graduated high school at 17 years old. So uh, for a 17-year-old kid to make a decision to go off to school, you know, that's, that's usually, you know, a pretty big decision when it comes to your parents and, you know, where you're deciding to go. And this 17-year-old Florida boy decided to go to the Midwest. <laughs> so... Um, I went to school in Illinois and, uh, you know, had to adjust to the winters up there. So it, it, it was pretty eye-opening leaving Florida, going up to the Midwest and, you know, at that time truly seeing um, 
seasons change. But the reason why I chose this school was because, uh, you know, I, I was pretty much, I was a, a pretty good athlete. Um, I was, you know, number one in the county, state. Um, so I had my pick of schools to go to. But when this particular recruiting coach came by the house, you know, he told my parents, he was like, listen, I can't guarantee that your son is going to play in the NFL. But what I can guarantee you, if you allow him to go to my school, I would guarantee you that he would graduate with a four-year degree. Now, all the recruiting schools that came by, all the coaches that came by, none of them ever said that to my parents. And once this coach, I still talk to him to this day, his name is Sheldon Hurd. Um, when he said it to my parents, my father looked at me and he said, that's the school you want to go to. So I ended up going there. Uh, Started my freshman year, played all four years, uh, received my uh, Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. So, you know, Coach Hurd kept his promise. Um, lived in Illinois for about another year and a half and uh, applied to a police department down here in Florida and ended up coming back when I got accepted into the academy. Tell us more about the academy. Love to hear about that. <laughs> well, the academy started. Uh, you know, my dream has always been, my, my degree is in sociology with a minor in psychology. So my dream has always been to work uh, in the FBI. I wanted to be a profiler. I wanted to track down serial killers. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so going through the police academy was like a stepping stone. Um, usually when it comes to going into the FBI, the FBI has certain degrees that they pick you up really quick. You know, if you're a, a, a linguist or you know, accountant, a lawyer, you know, when you have those degrees, the FBI usually picks you up real quick. My degree was in sociology. So what I had to do, I had to go in what they call diversified. I had to go get a little bit of law enforcement experience, and then I could apply to the FBI. But what ended up happening is that as I went through the academy, and I started uh, through my field training phase, and I started getting into law enforcement and doing all the undercover work that, um, I started gravitating to, you know, I thought I was, you know, Crockett and Tubbs back in the day when it came to Mobby Vice, you know, um, I was able to do a lot of the undercover stuff, uh, you know, had my own undercover name and, you know, sit, you know, sitting down here talking to guys with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table and kilos of cocaine. You know, I, I thought I was, you know, really, you know, the, the man uh, back in the day and, it, it, I guess it was the adrenaline rush of being able to sit down in front of these individuals and them not knowing that I was in law enforcement and still be able to talk the talk and walk the walk and, and ultimately, you know, lead to, um, you know, a big arrest. So it, it was the big adrenaline rush of getting into law enforcement and doing the undercover type of investigations that actually led me to staying in this uh, or this end of the profession rather than moving on to the FBI. Thank you for serving. Uh, you probably went through a, a tremendous amount of uh, tough experiences. If you, if you're able to maybe, maybe share one or two with us. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> the very first day, you know, I tell this story, the very first day I, I get out of the Academy, I'm in what they call field training phase, which is FTO phase. Uh, this is with the first police department that, that I worked for. Um, 
we get a call to where there's a there's this lady um, that's distraught. So we walk, we we pull up, we get out our marked police cars, we walk up to um, the individual, and the first thing she does is pull pull out this screwdriver knife type of dagger and comes at me and tries to stab me. So my very first day as a police, well, my very first day on the road, um, here I am potentially in a life-threatening situation. And, you know, just from that, I'm like, oh, man, you know, the, the adrenaline rush of, oh, man, you know what? Already? You know, this this is, you know, this happened already. It lets you know how how quickly something can go from zero to 100 without you thinking about it and you have to be ready to react so that that actually set the pace on you know the type of cases and the type of uh uh, uh that adrenaline fix that i wanted to get when it became when it came to becoming a police officer you know so i knew that at that point in time that you know i was going to like this you know I was, it, it was even though it was life-threatening you know i was comfortable enough with protecting myself you know we were able to uh, uh disarm her and handcuff her and she ended up being just a mentally ill person um but it was just you know just that day one of oh man you know what this is you really have to make sure you're on your on your p's and q's you know because it can you know you can walk into a situation thinking it's nothing and next thing you know it could be a life-threatening situation absolutely absolutely uh, so there's been a, uh, a lot of goals you've accomplished um, up to this point, you know, in your career. Is anyone that you want to share? Um, the biggest one is, um, you know, throughout law enforcement, you know, I just finished a, a book uh, this year. And, uh, you know, what I think that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to law enforcement is a lot of the traumas that uh, deputies and law enforcement officers go through. Um, and with that being said, you know, the divorce rate, you know, the financial uh, 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 ups and downs at times that law enforcement officers go through. And because we are looked at as being, uh, what's the best way for me to put this? Because we are looked at as being like this alpha male um, you know, uh, the protector that we don't have our own problems ourselves. Mm -hmm. And with that type of ideology, a lot of times we, as law enforcement, we don't reach out for the help that we need when we need the help, you know? So, um, you know, so a lot of my goal this year is, is when it comes from my book is just to start putting out that, hey, um, you know, law enforcement goes through a lot of ups and downs in, in their career. Um, last year, there were over 200 and some, 280 some officers that committed suicide, you know? So it, it, it's, it's something that's not spoken about, but in my opinion, it really needs to be put on the forefront because that is, a large number of individuals taking their life because of a job, because of what they see, the things that they're going through, their own pressures. And when it comes to uh, recognizing that those individuals need help, 
it usually happens at the very end instead of looking at the precursors that lead up to it. So those, you know, my goal, some of my goals would be to put that on the forefront to let us know that, hey, you know, there are post-traumatic syndrome, uh, PTSD that officers are dealing with. There are, uh, you know, uh, depression and mental issues that law enforcement are, are dealing with. And we need to start looking at those things and seeing how we could come and address those issues from a standpoint of uh, internally, you know, within the agency and also uh, putting it out so society knows as well that, hey, you know what, we're people as well, you know, because of all, you know, you know we, with the negativity that goes back and forth with law enforcement right now, you know, we're still people. And, and I think that we still, uh, we need to be recognized as that, that we are people. We do have our own uh, personal issues that we're dealing with. And um, those things need to be addressed when it comes to helping those individuals. Right, absolutely. Your book just recently came out. Um, tell us a little bit more about it. Um, the book is called The Bulletproof Mindset. Um, and uh, the reason why I named it that is, is, you know, those things I was going through, particularly myself, you know, I, I was dealing with a divorce, you know, not a bad divorce, but just just going through a divorce. Uh, I was dealing with financial issues. I was dealing with my own depression myself. And I was dealing with issues when it came, uh, when it came to work as well. And uh, I started drinking a lot. And my wife and I, we got into this big argument over the telephone to where I went over to the house and, uh, you know, they weren't, the kids weren't home, home, she wasn't home, but I ended up just punching holes in the wall and pretty much destroying the house out of anger, out of emotion. Um, and then I came back, you know, still consuming, um, you know, alcohol at the time. And I just felt that there was no one for me to talk to. There was no way, no one for me to express all this frustration to. And, you know, I looked at my sidearm and I had contemplated committing suicide rather than there. You know, it was more so of, of the only way out of this. You feel like there's these walls closing in, your profession, the divorce, the finances, all these things that are closing in on you and there's no way out. You can't find a way out. And the only way out is silencing the whole, you know, the, the thought process. And, and suicide was that only way. And luckily I, I didn't do it, um, but that's when I realized, you know, Chris, I, I used to say all the time in law enforcement, you know, how do people let themselves get to that point? You know, and it, it all comes down to that one emotional decision. All of us, all of us are one emotional decision away from either taking our own lives or making a decision that's going to put us in jail for the rest of our lives. And that's when I really uh, had this epiphany of, of being more intentional about our thoughts and what we put into our heads and becoming more accountable for the place that we put ourselves in. You know, um, Les Brown has a saying that <clears throat> you're where you are today because you made an appointment to be there. You know, the decisions that I made in the past is what led me and gave me the results that I was dealing with at that point in time. And in order to change those results, I had to change the way I thought. And that's where Bulletproof Mindset came in. 
um, there's this, this acronym that I use. You have to change rap. Um, it's, it's called the lifestyle syntax, but the rap is results, activity, attitude, and philosophy. When you start evaluating where you are, that's what you have to look at. If you don't like the result, if you don't like where you are, you have to look at your results. If you don't like your results, you got to look at your activity that you're getting, doing to get those results. If you don't like your, the activity, you got to look at the attitude. And if you don't like your attitude, you got to look at your philosophy. And in order to change all that, you got to start with your philosophy. You got to start with your beliefs. You got to start with your foundation. You got to start with what you've been taught and indoctrinated with over the years and evaluate those things to start changing how you, the, you know, your belief system your thought process, which is in turn would change your attitude on how you look at things and your perception towards the world or what you're trying to accomplish, which then will lead to you taking different avenues on the activities you're going to take to start changing things, which will ultimately give you a different result. So that's what the book premise is all around. It's all about looking at where you are and why you got there or how you got there and then reevaluating those things and being able to change the, your thought process to give you better results. But it all comes back down to you taking ownership of why you're there. And that's what most of us don't do. I agree a hundred percent. Absolutely. Love Les Brown. Love everything you're saying. Love talking about mindset. When was it that you got more into this? I love that you're a teacher now on this too. We need more teachers, more people educating. What was it that got you on this path to, to more personal development, more self-awareness? Uh, more becoming better and teaching others. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it was last year. Well, I, I've been into personal development for the last two or three years, but I really started delving into it last year when I started my book because my book was more so um, my own therapeutic process of getting everything out, you know, because it starts from my childhood up through my law enforcement to where I am today. So it was a way for me to get everything out and lay everything out on the table because in order for you to truly change, you have to be honest about everything, you know? Um, and the personal development, you know, the Jim Rohns, the Zig Ziglar's, the Les Browns, the Eric Thomas's, you know, those are individuals that I listen to on a, on a daily basis. Um, I try not to, let me take the word try out. Um, when it comes to, uh, uh, being intentional about what I let into my life. You know, I, I was so hung up on negativity and frustration because of the way things were going that, you know, I truly believe in the law of attraction. I truly believe what you put out is what you get back. And what I was feeding for years was that, that wolf of negativity. And, and once I realized that, I had to start changing those habits and, and purposely and intentionally focusing on the positivity th aspects of my life, being more grateful for what I have now. You know, that's, I think that's a lot of the things where a lot of what a lot of us don't do as well. We're not grateful for what we have. And once we start being grateful for what we have currently have, we start to move into that energy of abundance and once we start moving into abundance then we can start attracting the things into our lives that's going to push us forward and elevate us and start surrounding us around people that's going to help us elevate and uh it's been about a, a good 
year, year and a half now that I've really been into personal development and really been focused on my thoughts of what I let in. Um, you know, I, I don't watch the news. I don't, uh, you know, all the negativity dealing with that. I, I, when I'm at work, even though I deal with a lot of negativity at work, you know, when I get around people that are cynical, that wants to start, I stop them right there. Hey, listen, you know, that's something I don't need to hear. If you don't have anything positive you can say, uh, you know, about a situation or look at a situation and pull something positive from it, you know, I, I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to sit here and gossip, number one. And number two, just deal with constant, you know, police officers who are cynical. You know, we're callous. You know, that's the only thing we want to talk about. I said, that's something I don't want to deal with because the more you let that into your life, the more you get it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's been about a good year and a half that I've really, really been into focusing on what I let into my life, what I let the type of thoughts that, that I have in my head when I start having negative thoughts, I'm intentional about stopping it right there and changing it to something that's positive. No, that's great. And, you know, bulletproof mindset. Uh, hopefully you get that out to more people in the, uh, the police force and across the country. More people need that because they deal with a lot of negativity every single day. The, the, the stuff, you know, situations are thrown into to, to protect people, serve people, that type of thing. So uh, more people need, yes. need, need to get your message. Yes, yes. You know, and uh, that's where we're hoping to go with it. And, and as I said, you know, I, I want to again, thank you for letting me be on the show and, and you know, talk about this. And, uh, you know, with the individuals that are coming into my life right now, you know, it's I've, I'm really beginning to see uh, a true change of, oh, shoot, you know, Cindy, uh, you know, you know, right now sitting down interviewing with you, you know, these are things that, you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago was like, oh man, you know, I'm just constantly getting, you know, bumping into more negative things. But because I'm starting to change my mindset, and I say this at the end of a lot of my videos, you know, you got to change your mindset to change your situation. And, uh, and, and I truly, truly believe that wholeheartedly that, you know, we're the authors of our own story. If we don't like where we're, you know, the road we're traveling, or we don't like the chapter we're writing, we're the author you know what, we can stop it and start rewriting it from that point forward. But it all depends on how we start looking at things and, and get a different perception on the direction we want to go. Absolutely. Love to hear some goals that you have going forward with, with your book and, and with your teachings now. Well, the first thing I would like to do uh, uh, when it comes to, I would love to start speaking a lot more um, um, and bringing a lot more light to, to, uh, um, to changing your rap, you know, I, I want to, um, I do have my own, uh, a podcast that I'm beginning to start up, start up myself. Um, but this year I would like to just start getting out and start putting the word out a little bit more about the bulletproof mindset. And then not only just that, the bulletproof mindset, but that's my shirt says massive action mindset, changing your mindset is the bulletproof mindset aspect of it. And once you change it, when it comes to your goals or dreams, it's taking massive action in order to go and achieve it. So um, I, I really just want to go out and just start spreading the word a little bit more, maybe come up with some sort of uh, um, online course or something like that, that I can actually start helping and teaching people and, you know, becoming more of a life coach um, when, it, when it comes to facilitating uh, you know, the actual mindset change and, you know, taking people through the steps of, all right, this is how I did it. This is what I apply and helping them see that, Hey, 
you know what, this isn't always the end. We're we're gonna we're we're gonna go through. I think what uh, it's it's uh, Steve Harvey who says that you know if you're traveling through hell, why are you gonna stop and take a look around? You know, you got to keep going. You got to persevere. You got to push through it. And you know that's not the end all be all because you are experiencing bad times you know we have to be able to take ownership of it and say okay you know what what can I learn from this and how can I go out and and, and change my own ending by changing how I look at different things but that's a couple of my goals there becoming more of a speaker being able to 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 develop my uh my coaching and ultimately develop some sort of course that people can come and reach out to and and uh be able to to gather the knowledge they need to, to gather in order to move forward. So just last words, anything else that you want to mention that you haven't mentioned so far that you want to share with the audience? <laughs> no, uh, right now, you know, I'm just, uh, I know that we're going through, uh, you know, this is just another obstacle that we're going through when it comes to this COVID. Um, and, you know, with, I know that there's people that are out here that are dealing with hardships, you know, they're not being paid right now, they're being furloughed. Um, um, I just want to say this too will pass, you know, it's, it, I understand it's, it's easier said than done because, you know, uh, you're looking at putting food on the table and, you know, the, when the next paycheck is going to come in. Um, but this is times where, again, being grateful of where we are now is going to get us through where we need to uh, get through in order to become and grow and be a better, grow as a nation, grow as, 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 as individuals, and, and pulling family closer together. You know, that's something that I've, uh, that I've noticed, even with, with my separation and divorce right now, is that going through this COVID has allowed my family and I, uh, my uh, wife and I, to actually become a bit closer because, you know, we're communicating a lot better because, you know, what you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, you know. And uh, I would just like to say, hey, just be grateful and just know that there will be a tomorrow. There will be something better. We just need to make sure that we continue to persevere and push through the tough times because the better times are coming. Absolutely agree. So, if people are looking for Big G Anthony or Bulletproof Mindset, what's where can they find you on social or uh, websites or anything that you want to uh, end with? Yeah, so uh, Big G Anthony, you can find on Instagram. It's at Big G Anthony the uh, Third. That's I I I. You can find me on Facebook at Big G Anthony, and uh, my website is Big G Anthony. Your Bulletproof Mindset book. You can get access. There's a link you can access straight to Amazon. Uh, to purchase the book off of Amazon as well. So it's uh, big G, www.bigganthony.com. Well, I appreciate your time today. Once again, thank you for serving. And uh, it was great to get to know a little bit more about you and, and hearing some of your story. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate you for having me on, man. Thank you.